From the Brooklyn Paper Building in beautiful downtown Brooklyn. It's America's downtown. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio. I see my producer looking at me, nodding his head. Either, I don't know if he's happy or sad. Well, now he's waving me away. Should we stop the show? No, we're just going to keep going. End it. Going to keep going. It is a gloomy day. It's a, it's, this is the remnants of Hurricane Florence, I believe. Right? Florence came and went, I think. She's coming through right now. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, she may stick around. If it I, is still beautiful. If though. I look out the window right now, and I, look, I, can look, I can see downtown Manhattan. I can see the top of the, uh, what I like to call, what, is it, what do we call it, the, the Liberty Tower? The Freedom Tower? The, free, the Freedom Tower. The Freedom Tower. We call it, it's the big building downtown. On that aisle, aisle across the river. On the, the distant river. aisle of Manhattan. Yeah. yeah, okay. I could see that. Oh, right now I can see as the clouds kind of clear a path and I could see the antenna on top, which I believe that antenna doesn't do anything. No, it was just to achieve some height record. I don't know why I know this because it's not in Brooklyn, but right. I think that's what, what, what it's for. But none of that is important outside of the fact that that is a very tall building. Is that correct? I think that you've nailed it. Because on our show today is Councilman Steve Levin. And he's going to talk to us about another tall building that that wants to, that some people want to get built, some people don't want to get built. Uh, it's on Flatbush Avenue, Julianne. Is that correct? Um, yes, it's bounded. And by in case you're wondering, that is Julianne Cuba. She is our reporter who is covering the story about uh, what's known as what's the name of the project, Julianne? Go. Eighty Flatbush. It's eighty Flatbush. Why do I keep thinking fifty-five Flatbush? I don't know. Do you have an answer to that? No, it doesn't not. matter. It's not important. <laughs> What's important is this project, what, what they wanted to do was build a, uh, a tall building. Would you just quickly explain the project? It's Go. two tall buildings, actually. All right, well, explain it quickly. Okay, one is, oh gosh, I'm blinking, 96, 968 This feet. is the thing. I asked the tough questions. <laughs> you need to give me the quick answers. The, 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 the build, this is uh, Anthony Rotano. Everything is so exciting this week. We skipped introductions. The complex, which we've talked about on this show before, 80 Flatbush, is a, a five-building complex with two towers. One's about 74 stories. The other oh, okay. is 38. 74. And the other buildings are already on site that will be repurposed as part of this scheme. But as you've heard on the radio, as you've read in the paper, there are strong opinions about this project. It's caused people to you know, debate what, what where neighborhoods begin and end. It's caused Russian hackers to p allegedly infiltrate a <laughs> poll about whether or not people want it. It is the talk of the borough and has been since its uniform land use review procedure kicked off earlier this year. Now, that procedure is put in place because we live in the greatest city in the world, New York City, and that procedure basically protects residents or allows them to get involved when uh, when zoning needs to be changed in their neighborhoods. Now, to build this building, the zoning would need to be changed, and that would kick off this Euler process, exactly. as we like to call it. And what it comes down to is eventually you know, it, it's going to go to the community board, and then it's going to go to the city council. It's going to go to uh, the mayor eventually. Mm -hmm. But a lot of sway comes from what the council thinks about the project. Mm -hmm. And a lot of sway for how the council thinks about the project would come from the council member that represents the area where the building is going to go, where they're trying to change the zoning. That council member is Councilman Steve Levin. He is on the phone with us right now. Council Member Levin, welcome to Brooklyn Paper Radio. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. <laughs> now, this is a huge project, and as I just said before, you've got tremendous sway. So is it yay or nay? Is this thing going through or not? Uh, well, we're still in conversations about it, a lot of conversations. We've been talking about it a lot. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's, uh, it's complicated because it's a really complicated project um, on a very small block. It's, it's actually not even a full block. It's, it's like two-thirds of a block. Blocks usually about 100,000 square feet. This is like 66,000 square feet. Um, and uh, it's a, a block that kind of is a convergence of three neighborhoods, really, mm-hmm. like three different zoning contexts. Um, you have your uh, downtown Brooklyn zoning context coming down from the north. Uh, that was rezoned in 2004. Um, yeah, that's what uh, that's what allowed all those big buildings to go up along Flatbush Avenue and Flatbush right. Avenue Extension. And and now more of them have been built, you know, going west towards Brooklyn Heights. All of the Brooklyner and the other ones that have been built there. Yeah, the downtown Not Brooklyn the, uh, the hub. Yeah, right, the hub. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so just as a, sh- a shorthand for your listeners, uh, this is all it's all the shorthand for all this is FAR. It's the floor area ratio, which is the density of the building. Um, and so when we talk about like how much development, that's the shorthand that we use. I don't use height because height isn't really a, an accurate gauge of the density of a project because you could have a very tall, slender building uh, that has the same density as a like a short, squat building. Um, and so the the FAR is kind of what we use to to to. Uh, to denote how dense a development is. Yeah. So, um, like for example, your uh, on State Street on the other side of this project, which is the Borm Hill side, coming up, that has like an FAR of about a two. So you have basically you can build two times your lot area. Um, downtown Brooklyn has a twelve, which means you can build twelve times your lot area. When you say twelve uh, times your lot area, that means the the actual density of the building, not the height, but the density. The density, and that's the important thing to hmm. keep in, in mind. Hmm. But wouldn't uh, that wouldn't that it would just be like the side the base of the building is, is what's going to determine how dense or how high the building can be. Well, no, because you don't necessarily always cover your whole your whole zoning lot, you know. So uh, if you you know sometimes you have a backyard, so then you can build. You're not you're not cu- you know your building's not just a two. You say you have a two FAR, mm-hmm. uh, and you cover you know two thirds of your zoning lot that you can build like a three or four story building. Well, you know that's all math. But you said that you're talking a yeah, lot. Okay. <laughs> you're talking to a lot of people yeah. about this. So what we need to know is who are the people that are actually in the room where it happens. Who are you talking to about this? Are you talking to just oh. the developers? Are you talking to developers and members of groups like uh, Block 80 Flatbush? Who are you talking to? Talking to you know, all the above. Talking to the developers and talking to the members of the group Block 80 Flatbush. Forum Hill Association, Concerned Neighbors, anybody that has my cell number that calls me about it, <laughs> um, uh, the city itself, you know, the city, you know, city hall. I'm talking to, you know, it's really all of the above. Anyone that wants to talk to me about it, I'm willing to talk to, to them about it. Um, and a lot of people, have, there's a lot of different opinions on it. Um, you mentioned the ULERT process. The first real step in the ULERT process, where there's public input, is the community board. The community board. Uh, voted this project down pretty. Uh, I think there was one vote fashion. for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a few the abstentions, but there was one vote for it. They also didn't actually have any recommendations. Right. Um, most of the time, you get a, a set of recommendations from the community board. In this instance, they decided they wanted to make it clear that they were opposed to it with no recommendations. Mm. Um, the board president then opined and and voted no, but with a, a, a lot of recommendations. 
um, and we always appreciate the, the borough president's recommendations. They're usually very thorough and, and thoughtful, um, so we've been going through those as well. City Planning Commission voted to approve it, um, which the City Planning Commission's, you know, part of, you know, they're, 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 they're the commission wing of the Department of City Planning, so I wasn't, you know, normally they do a vote to approve projects that they um, certify, which is actually the first step in the Euler process, is it's certified by the Department of City Planning, and mm -hmm. then it goes back to the City Planning Commission. So, you know, they voted in favor of it, not very surprising. And then it comes to the council where we have to decide yay or nay or, or, or modify it. Um, and we're now in discussions about whether or not we can reach a... a a, a, you know, a compromise that is a modified version that meets a lot of the community's concerns. Um, so there's the issue of the FAR. That's the big issue because in this instance, they are starting with a six FAR, so you can six times the lot area, and they want to make it an 18 FAR. So they want to triple the zoning area. And actually, if you remember when I said before that 12 is the what the rest of downtown Brooklyn is, this mm -hmm. would actually kind of leapfrog that okay. uh, yeah. and go to 18. So now, it, it would be the densest uh, building in the area at 18? Yeah, it would be the densest building outside okay. of Manhattan, I think. Um, and, you know, a lot of Manhattan is at like 15 FAR. Mm. Um, a lot of Manhattan's at, at 18 or above, um, but there's parts of Midtown in Midtown West or kind of like north of Grand Central, um, like I think like 59th and 3rd around there, I think is like a 15 FAR. But, but, so the, but the reason why they're proposing this, this high density is because there's a lot of benefit to this project because in addition to triggering mandatory inclusionary housing, which produces uh, some affordable housing, a good chunk of affordable housing. How many uh, about? Uh, about 200 units, I think. Okay. Out of out of 900, right? Right. It's a, a, you know roughly it's it's about 20 percent because and this is where it gets complicated. MIH is actually a 25 percent requirement, but because one of the phases of this project, the first phase, is not producing affordable housing because it's because it's producing the other thing, which is two new schools. Two new schools. Right. Right. So. There's an existing school on the site right now, Khalil Gibran International Academy, mm -hmm. or KGIA. And, um, Which has and been kicked around from a number of buildings since, since it opened. They've been in a number of buildings over the years, and they've been here for a few years. This, is, this building right now, where they're in, on the corner of 3rd Avenue and Skimmerhorn and State, is there, it's a kind of... Uh, uh, amalgam of, of different old school buildings. One of them was built in the 1850s, one of them was built in the 1890s, and then there's some other buildings involved, too, that like kind of connector buildings that I think were built also in the 1890s. So these old, beautiful buildings that are landmarking-worthy, preservation-worthy. They're, they're, they really add to, I think, the built context of Skimmerhorn Street. If you go down Skimmerhorn Street, you notice them as these kind of beautiful brick buildings. They kind of look like old brick schoolhouse buildings like you would kind of think of um, as a, you know, a typical late 19th century or mid-19th century brick school building. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that red brick. Um, and, uh, and, and so Khalil Gibran's in that building. Unfortunately, on the inside of those buildings, the conditions are terrible. They're, they're not really suitable for uh, high school, which is what Khalil Gibran is. 
the the I've I've known this for a while because the school that was in there before was a school called Metropolitan Corporate Academy, which got closed down about six or seven years ago, and that was it was just not suitable. They don't have uh, any type of gym. I remember them doing like uh, kind of like calisthenics in the in the cafeteria, mm-hmm. which is like in the basement. So what what type of building was that historically though? It was oh it was like a it was a school building. I think it, it was, was okay. probably as an elementary school. Back, you know, 150 years ago. All right, ago. so you're on the side of uh, the building is, is not necessarily worth saving. No, no, I, th- I think it's saving. It's just not worth saving as a school. And so this, this, this scenario, this development scenario, actually doesn't keep that as the school. Uh-huh. It turns that into, like, maybe commercial space. You can gut the building, keep the facade, maybe some cultural space. Depends on how that all shakes out. But that they would build new schools in, instead, a new school for Khalil Gibran, and then a new elementary school as well, totaling about 750 seats in total. So you'd have a new high school, and you would have a new grammar school. 750 Correct. seats between the two of them. How many seats does uh, Khalil Gibran have right now? Uh, I think like between like three, 350, something like that. So it'd be about half and half. Yeah, about half and half. Yeah. Oh, all right. um, and and so that's that's you know normally we build. This is why it's kind of a complicated project. Normally we build schools through. School Construction Authority, yep. which uses uh, capital city capital funds. Is that like still a state authority, or is that now a city authority? It's under the uh, under uh, the Department of Ed. I mean, it's not under the Department of Ed. It's, it's I think it's probably like state authorized, but it's a city controlled authority. Okay. Um, and and so instead of an SCA, which uses like you know tax dollars for you know capital dollars, which you know we have the ability to bond out, so you know they have a, they're a bonding authority. Instead of SCA doing it, they're having it's it's in it's ECF, which is a different authority. It's called the Education Construction Fund, and they um, were uh, were were have been around since the '60s. Um, have built a, a few dozen schools over the years, where basically they'll do kind of public-private partnerships. So if you're in Brooklyn right now, you're looking over to Manhattan. You know the old uh, the Verizon building? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so that 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 was part of an ECF project. I'm looking at it right now from the other side because I'm in my office in Manhattan, and that's Murray Bertram High School. Mm-hmm. That was an ECF project that built that. Is and that so why they, they installed the, all the 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 window glass in that? Because yeah. that building used to just be all concrete. Yeah, it was all concrete right. because it was just. Because I don't think there was anybody in it. It was, yeah, it was, it was like a servers. telecom building. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, but yeah, but so that but that building was built. It it produced proceeds that then they used to float bonds to build Murray Bertram High School. And so that's, that's basically the structure is the private development uh, pays for the debt service on bonds that are then floated to use as capital to build the school. Okay, so on the plus side here, uh, for, the, for the yay vote, on the plus side we have, you're going to get two schools... Yep. You're going to get uh, below market housing, about 200 mm-hmm. units. Mm-hmm. What else is on the plus side, in your mind? Uh, the preservation of those buildings. You're going to preserve those buildings mm-hmm. and reuse, um, preserve and reuse. Commercial space is a good thing. You know, this produces some commercial space. Commercial space like retail? Commercial space like... Like office. Office space. And okay. retail, but, but, but office, I mean, we, we want more office in downtown Brooklyn. Okay. For jobs. Mm-hmm. So, jobs. anything else? No, 
that's that's like what the pro you know those are the benefits of the project. Okay, so those are your benefits. All right, so we got yep. let's see, I got one, two, three, mm -hmm. I got four benefits. Now let's let's look at the negatives. What are the right. negatives? Where, where what's the bad things about this? Now we know people are complaining about the height and the density. What else? Well, that's really it. I mean, but that's very important. Like, um, you know, it's basically as proposed, putting like this, you know. The, the density that's like in Midtown Manhattan, um, and like putting it like across the street from townhouses, hmm. um, and that's hmm. like a serious thing to do. Yeah, that that seems kind of odd. Now, but it's, it's because it's a weird block. It's on it fronts on Flatbush, which has a higher density. Obviously, it's Flatbush yep. Avenue. It's very wide street, very transit rich. You know, this is this is that's one argument that why this location makes sense is it's transit rich. Um, but then you also, it's like Borham Hill coming up from the south, and State Street is that, is that edge. And so this actually is on State Street. Um, and so it fronts right on that. Um, it, like, runs right up against a very, very different zoning context, um, like the exact opposite zoning context. And is there a fear in the neighborhoods that if uh, we allow this building to go through, it's kind of going to open the floodgates along, along that corridor? or? Uh, I think that that's one concern. Um, I think that the site in and of itself is just, it's like, it's, it's, it's achieving a lot. Like all those good things that I mentioned, it's a lot to achieve on a single two-thirds of a block. Um, so there's, and a, there's, a, there's a lot going into it, and maybe that's something that could be spread out across the, across the neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's you know, that's just a lot of density for, that's a lot of density. Um, it's more... You know, that's, I, I, it's more dense than um, off of Central Park West, um, you know, so, like, significantly more dense, like almost double. So, so after, after you know, it's, this is, it's, it's Manhattan, it's Manhattan level density. All right, let me just uh, let our listeners know. Again, we're talking to uh, Councilman Steve Levin, and I know we are starting to receive some phone calls about this. Unfortunately, we can only take one call at a time, and that phone call is being taken up by the councilman. But when the councilman is done, we are going to take some phone calls here, uh, your listeners' phone calls right after that. But I believe Tony had a point. Go. Well, I was going to say, you know, we, when, when Julianne spoke to you following the council hearing on the, on the rezoning, you know, you had indicated, and, and again yesterday, after you um, and the body pushed the vote on this till the last possible day of Thursday, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you felt most comfortable with a, a far floor area ratio of 12 for, um, for the, the residential towers. What would the project look like? What would be lost in the pros if that far is ultimately adopted? Would we be getting one school? Would we be getting you know, no commercial? Would we be getting some hybrid of that? It's hard to say right now. I mean, that's a lot of our conversations right now, I mean, are trying to see where, you know, what is absolutely needed uh, in order to achieve all of these benefits. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, you know, I don't think right now that, you know, we're looking at massive reductions of benefits, but I'm, I'm okay with there being some some or reasonable amounts, um, you know, uh, depends on. It kind of depends on like what, what the different scenarios are being put forward. It's 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 complicated because everything has uh, an impact on something else. If you reduce 
residential floor area. It might have an impact on the funds being generated for the schools if it's in phase one or the, or the amount of affordable housing if it's in phase two. Um, you know, the, the commercial uh, FAR, uh, you know, is supporting the rest of the project. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, there's, there's design elements. I mean, to their credit, Alloy has been very responsive on design issues and have come back with different iterations of design that, you know, try to accommodate some of the concerns that have been raised. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, things like uh, loading, loading docks, and I think we've gotten to a pretty good place on the loading dock question. Um, you know, and then stuff like trash removal and where the trash goes and where the school trash goes and all these um, kind of minutia-type questions. Um, they've been very responsive on that stuff, but there's still the big stuff that we're, we're still talking through. And, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, you know, Julianne, by the way, has been uh, very good at reporting all of this and has been, you know, really on top of all these and talking to all the, I think, all the... Uh, well, I, I'd like to point out she better have been because that's, that's <laughs> technically her job, but... Uh, <laughs> excellent, excellent reporting, excellent reporting. Uh, so are they um, playing hardball with you at all, at all? Are they saying to you, look, if uh, you don't give us uh, 15 FAR, you're not getting the schools? Is that, is that like, how negotiations are going down? No, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're you know, I've, I've, I've you know, done a lot of rezonings um, with this administration and the prior administration. Um, you know, there's always a lot of technical stuff that goes into it, and um, and you know, trying to get to you know a place where um, you know, my goal right now is just to make sure that like there's a lot of communication, there's a lot of clarity that I'm that I understand everything as well as I can that I'm not throwing out new issues, you know, at the last minute mm -hmm. or kind of mis misinterpreting things. So how many people how many people do you have working on on your staff? Like how many people are actually like crunching the numbers here? I mean, on my council staff, there are like four people that are that are working on this and then the count the, the city council has a phenomenal land use division. Uh-huh. And there's a, a number of people in the land use division that are working on this, and they're they're absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. They're you know they they do all of these land use projects in the city, um, and are always working under these kind of um, uh, kind of pressure um, situations. Well, they, well, there is certainly really pressure well. now because the vote the vote's happening. Uh, on Thursday, correct? So it has to happen on Thursday, yeah, because that's our last committee meeting. So let's say um, you guys, the vote goes through. It goes either way. Doesn't doesn't matter to me. Who ultimately has the final say in if this project gets done or not? Let's say everyone agrees that the project shouldn't happen. Can the mayors then step in and say, you know what, it should? No, I mean, uh, I don't think so. We we um, we would. I I that's never been. A point that's actually happened where, if, if generally speaking, if we don't support a project, that project is either withdrawn, or or we would vote no on the project, or you know I guess we could presumably vote um, for a different version of the project. If the mayor were to veto it, which I'm not even sure that he can, because I've never heard of him doing like thing like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then there's a, a veto override mechanism that we have in the council. But I don't, that's no, not normally how it, it works. I've never seen a situation on a land use project 
where the mayor ever vetoed anything. We um, uh, so you know that's just kind of not that's not usually yeah. How well, yeah. Works. In my long history of covering development in Brooklyn, which dates back to 1996, I've seen projects, you know, maybe not um, city-run projects, but projects that were run by the state, where ultimately. Uh, the governor would just step in, like seeing like during an election year or something like that, seeing people very upset about a project and then just killing the project. Now, obviously, that's not the case with the mayor, uh, but I mean, for the record, I have seen stuff like that happen, uh, you know, in history. The project I'm specifically talking about was the uh, uh, it was the mall that they wanted to put it back in the late '90s over the uh, over the 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 railroad cut in uh, Diker Heights and, uh, and Bensonhurst. And ultimately, that project was killed literally by the governor, who just said, you know what, we're not doing it, you know? And so, the, yeah, I mean, if that, if that was a state project, then they proceed on a different... If the state owns the land, they have a general project plan model that uh, that gives a lot of authority to the governor. Mm-hmm. If it's not state-owned land and it has to go through ULERP, then it's, uh, you know, we have our process. But there's, like, yeah. you know, there's state-owned land, like... Uh, obviously, Atlantic Yards is state-owned. Um, Brooklyn Bridge Park never went through ULERP because that went through a general project plan. Yep. Um, you know, the Sunnyside Yards conversation that's happening up in Queens is a general project plan conversation. I have another, like, an MTA lot that, you know, has to go through that. If the MTA owns it, it's, it's a general project plan, non-ULERP thing. And so, you know, they, they override ULERP if the state owns the land. But if it's city-owned, it's my experience is always goes through ULERP, yep. and I don't think the mayor, I'd have to ask, you know, whether the mayor technically is allowed to veto something that we do, but um, I've never seen it happen. Well, according yeah. to the city information on, on the city's website, it does, there is a handy flow chart that, that hmm. somewhat um, circuitously explains this process, and it does indicate that the mayor has veto, you know, this does or land approval. on his or desk. Approval, yeah. yeah, for, right, for a, Well, technically, yeah, I mean, that would make sense because it, technically it's a law change and, like, when we pass any law, the mayor can veto our, our legislation. Right, and so. and it does indicate that you have a mechanism with, whereby you can, you know, perhaps overrule that veto, like you said. Hypothetically, if you vote no, are you willing to hold that position if the mayor votes yes. You know he's indicated it, it to, in a small room to us and also publicly that he's very supportive of this, uh, mainly because of the public benefits. You know he said he had, doesn't have a time machine to go back and build schools. Mm-hmm. You know the old-fashioned way. Um, you know if if it came to a head, w- would would you be willing to stand for your vote as you originally cast it? I mean, I I think for one thing I've I've, I've Again, on a land use project in my eight and a half years here, I don't recall ever there being a time when I've seen a lot of projects turned down and projects like that have been put forward by the city turned down. But I've never seen the mayor veto a thing that we did on a land use project. Um, so I wouldn't expect that that, that that would be you know how this would play out. Um, you know, I mean, look, over the next uh, 36 hours, we're going to continue to talk a lot. Um, and... Um, you know, it's Yom Kippur tomorrow, so there's you know some some limitations on 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 that. But um, but uh, but I, I you know I have every expectation that like we've been talking a lot over the last few days and over the weekend, and I was I was literally texting um, you know members of the, the administration at like you know 11:30 on Saturday. Night. I felt kind of bad about that, but like you know I was asking all types of questions about if you move this FAR there and that FAR there, then what happens to this and that and that. So. 
you know, it's it's uh, we've been in a pretty high level of engagement at this point. Would it be is, would it be know. fair to assume that you wouldn't have pushed this vote if you didn't believe a project different from the one that was proposed will be the one that's voted on? Like you wouldn't have wasted people's time and delayed the hearing if you didn't think you were going to get something a little bit different, closer to what you want. I, I thought that negotiations would benefit from there being a little more time. Uh, you know, I, I think that it was just it was it was over the weekend. It was it was hard for everyone to kind of reconvene on a, on Sunday, and it just I, I think that we were we were not there. It was clear by Sunday night that like we were not ready to vote, and we probably wouldn't be ready to vote on Monday morning without you know without potentially you know jeopardizing an orderly process, which I think is important to these kind of things. Um, so you mentioned tomorrow is obviously Yom Kippur, and then the next day, early morning, is the vote. So do you know now what you're going to do? I mean, there's only how much negotiations can happen between now and Thursday morning at 1030. Um, plenty. I mean, I, I, do, I think there is. I mean, I think that we're kind of, you know, I, don't, I, I think that there's been a, a lot of work done up to this point, And so, you know, there are still some kind of big questions be resolved but, but is it like factual questions or actual you know getting the far down still like what type what are you actually negotiating still at this point i mean i still think we're, we're kind of we're still looking at the far question um a couple of other uh smaller smaller types of questions around um you know the stuff around garbage pickup and and the community garden and stuff like that but um but in terms of the big stuff, I mean, there's, there, we're still kind of talking that through. Now, that can be, um, that kind of stuff can be resolved relatively quickly. I can have that conversation, um, you know, uh, uh, at midnight tomorrow night. It's not, it's not like impossible. Um, but I think, I think it's, I think it just benefited from me because it's also, a, it's a very complicated project in, ter- in terms of its structure. Um, I mean, it's not the most, you know, there's a lot of other very complicated projects and more complicated projects, but this, this one is complicated. And so I think it benefited from having the, the, a little more time to have kind of orderly conversations. We can ask, a, you know, other things around, you know, just the kind of the structure and safeguards and things like that, technical stuff that, you know, I, I think benefited from having a little bit more time. Councilman, as you know, we always run a recap of our radio shows in uh, online and in print in the Brooklyn paper, which we put to to bed every Wednesday night and comes out every Friday night. So if you were if you were the editor, if you were Vince, if you were me, knowing that the paper is going to bed the night before the vote and that it comes out the day after the vote, what would you make the headline? That's a, that's a tough one. I, I really don't know. I mean, that's uh, I think that's the challenge uh, of um, of your timeline of your deadlines. I don't know. I, I I couldn't say at this point. Maybe maybe see if you can. Had uh, had TK. If you, if you can wait till uh, till Thursday at, at at noon. I tell you, those those printing presses they don't wait for anyone. They don't wait uh-huh. for anyone. The printing uh-huh. press. I can put something online. That's easy. But the printing presses wait for no man. Uh, no matter how many uh, times you yell stop the presses these days. Uh, they actually don't. They don't yeah, stop they, they just keep them running, I tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the I don't. I mean, maybe we could check in uh, uh, late uh, late Wednesday night, but I can't guarantee that after, I'll have enough After breakfast? What, times, what time is that, Julianne? You would know better than I. At sundown. Oh, at sundown. sundown yeah. Okay. There you go. Sundown tomorrow. 
So we will be on the phone with Councilman Levin tomorrow after Sunday. Julianne will be making the call from Westchester, I believe, where she'll be visiting with her family. Is that correct? Correct. And uh, it's going to be very, uh, very interesting. But it's all going to go down on Thursday morning. And I want to thank Councilman Levin for taking the time for coming on the show and uh, telling us about the, you know, what's going on inside the room where it happens, where apparently, you know, decisions are going to get made and uh, negotiations are ongoing. And ultimately, we are or we are not going to see a very different, uh, was it 90 Flatbush? What's the 80. 80. 80 Flatbush. There you go. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think I, I covered. Mean, I, th- I think I covered it all. I there. It, I think, it, so. it, I think you know. I think you left open every possibility with that statement. And again, looking at the the pluses and minuses, in case you guys aren't keeping score at home, the pluses, according to uh, Councilman Levin, are two schools: a grammar school and a high school. It is uh, some below market housing, about two hundred uh, units. I don't know how big they are. Uh, well, you're going to preserve a building that has some kind of uh, historical value, but is being misused at this point uh, as far as what's going on inside, and having uh, some more office space and some possible resale space, uh, additional space downtown on one big dense block in in Brooklyn. That's what it would be, right? The cons being the largest building, the most dense Buildings. The most dense building outside, in Brooklyn. Outside, in Brooklyn. outside of Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah. Outside of Manhattan. I, I, I don't know about like the Citibank building in Queens. I'd have to look at that. But uh, yeah, it's pretty thin. Have has the opposition and the supporters been been even? Would you say, or uh, are one I, overpower the other? No, I mean I would say that there's been more opposition. Um, I mean there's been plenty of supporters that have reached out to me, um, but um, but I think that the opposition has been generally more prevalent in the surrounding blocks um, in terms of the communications that I've been getting, and you could see that reflected in the community board for sure. Um, you know, that's not to say that there aren't supporters of this project. They're, they, I've been getting tweets about it and emails as well. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, I think largely, I mean, I will give the community credit, though. They've been really well organized they've been very thoughtful very reasonable they're always willing to sit down and talk through these things and um and to the developers credit uh they have been as well and so um you know alloy you know has uh, been you know very responsive so altogether it's been a i think the process i mean i you know these these euler processes can be um painful uh but (coughs) this has been generally um you know not as painful as the other ones i've seen there you go um and yeah and thanks for your coverage thank you julianne for all of your great reporting well thanks for speaking with us absolutely yeah, thank you for coming on all right councilman levin we'll let you go with that and again thanks for coming on and we're going to continue our conversation uh about the project we're going to disconnect there can we do that there we go dropped it is dropped the councilman is gone so now we just have to. Can you turn up my 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 ears? My ears. Thank you. Thank you. Now we have to talk about uh, you know what's the, what's the outcome going to be? Like that's uh, from listening to that conversation, I say there is a ninety nine point nine percent chance that this is going to pass the council, and uh, it's going to be passed the council with probably a little bit of a smaller uh, ratio. 
My my guess is between a 15 and 16 FAR. 15 and 16, says Cuba. Including the FAR of the schools, which, you know, this is where it gets technical. You know, the, the towers, because they're different sizes and diff- or they're different buildings, you know, they have a different FAR than the school. So when she says 15 or 16, you know, that's including the schools. That Levin had told us that t- schools are around too. Is that a caller? Yeah, we have a caller, so that's great. Eric, can you patch him through? Oh, there he is. Hello, this is Brooklyn Paper Radio. Can you state your name and uh, and you're on the air? Uh, hi, my name is Dan Miller. Um, and where are you calling sorry, from, Dan? Just a second. I am. Uh, call- I'm calling from work. Where I was just listening to your show. And uh, I wanted to. So uh, wait, wait. Do you, where work, do you work? Do you work in Boston? Where do you work? <laughs> no, I work. In, uh, my work is in Manhattan. Uh, I'm near Union Square, uh-huh. but I live in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights. Okay, you okay. live in Crown Heights. Thank you. Yep. Uh, and I wanted to kind of bring up the question of displacement. Okay. Are if these units aren't built, that's going to be a thousand people who. They don't vanish. Instead, they're going to move out to neighborhoods like Crown Heights, like Bushwick, and they'll contribute to gentrification and displacement. So I would, I was hoping to get a chance to talk to the councilman, but I feel like uh, it's a good thing to consider in general. If we don't build here, what will happen in the rest of the city? Ah, so... Let me let me get your question straight. You are for the project because you think it's going to allow people that are being forced out of other neighborhoods to move into these uh, these uh, below market uh, units. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not quite. Okay. So what I'm saying is, if we don't build these, then the people who would have occupied those units are instead going to move further out into Brooklyn. So people, you know, people who are maybe young, high-paid people moving from Manhattan will move into the market-rate housing, and if they if the towers are built, and if they don't, they would otherwise move into neighborhoods places like, like Crown yours, Heights, like Bushwick, exactly, you know, yes. where they might displace. All right, so you are for the project because you think it's going to allow places like Crown Heights to remain uh, less expensive because you'll be in, you'll be increasing the. Uh, the, the amount of, uh, of apartments in, in other areas that might be more desirable. That's exactly it. Oh, there you go. Well, now, Dan, where did you stand on the Bedford Union Armory redevelopment? Because those, that building is in your neighborhood, and delivering the same types of apartments to the same types of people you, I assume, would think would move to downtown if this building were built. The Bedford Armory, which is a project that I haven't looked at as much, to be clear, but it did include a substantial affordable component as well as a as well as market rate units. Right. Correct. Right. Yep. And it, so I and I think in general, increasing the supply of housing in Brooklyn is uh, a good thing. Well, there is a lot of people that agree with you on that. That just say, you know what, we should build tall, we should build big, and we and the only way we're going to solve the housing crisis in New York is is to build more housing. Yeah, and exactly. I think I think that Dan, you know, based on your comments, and you maybe have left comments on our article, but there are a lot of readers who agree who who think that you know, it's not fair for a bunch of people who bought a brownstone forty years ago to now complain about 
their skyline, you know, their their skyline views because they lucked out during a time when the market was crappy, and you know now the rest of us sort of have to to fight with what's left, and and also not disturb the integrity of, of these neighborhoods. All right, Dan. Well, let me let me ask you this: uh, How do you think the vote's going to go? Uh, I am hopeful that the council will approve the project as is with an FAR of eighteen. There you go. He wants 18. All right, Dan. Well, uh, thanks for the call. And thank th- you. And thanks for listening to Broken Paper Radio. Thank you for listening. Take care, guys. All right. Cheers. That was Dan from Crown Heights. And he's weighing Via in. Manhattan. So if, if you want to weigh in, you can give us a call right now. The phone number is 718-260-4502. Yeah, that's 4502. It's, it's right there. It's right there. It's right in front of me. It's flashing right in front of me. 718-260-4502. Talking about the it's 80 Flatbush, right, Julianne? 80. 80, not 90. Not 55. Not 80. 55 either. It's none of those things. It's, it's just 80 Flatbush. 8-0. Big development. How long have you been covering it? Since February when the ULERP kicked off. Oh, wow. All right. We got another call. Let's see who it is. I tell you, Eric Hercules working wonders on the board. I mean, it's magic to watch this. All right. Movies. You're on the air. Can you tell us your name and where you're from? Hi. Uh, this is Mike from Williamsburg. I'm a longtime denizen of your comment section. Oh, great. <laughs> All right. What do you have to say, Mike? Um, I've been following this project very closely. I spoke to the city planning commission at their hearing. I watched the city council hearing. Been listening to this podcast today. So you are I, plugged in. You're plugged into this project. Yeah, I I am. I care about these types of issues, and I think I have an idea for a compromise. Okay, here we go. This is Mike from Williamsburg's compromise. Go. So this is obviously the right place for density. It's at the one of the busiest streets in Brooklyn. Tons and tons of transit with great access to some of the best jobs in North America, which means that they are the best jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. So furthermore, this is a really wealthy neighborhood. So the issue isn't that we would have displacement of local neighbors, but this, like uh, Dan Miller just said, that we would have prevent displacement in more outlying areas. Like they won't come live in my East Williamsburg apartment with the no dishwasher and crooked floors. So... I've also I've listened to Councilman Levin's objections, which are the, the density and um, planning without like an ad hoc planning without a process, and especially the transition zones that go from the far of 18 on Flatbush, where I think I we definitely need the density, mm-hmm. to the brownstone districts with 19th century density areas. So I wanted to know if Councilman Levin would support an upzoning of the parts of Borham Hill that aren't landmarked. So that would give the a transition from Flatbush Avenue, where we definitely need the density, mm-hmm. to this 19th century areas that have the density was before the subway. Right. So you're saying and that I think that would work. You're saying the density between the historic district and where this uh, building is most likely going to go needs to be raised up so that you get a uh, you you'll get you know, it'll go on a kind of on an angle down for or an angle up to the to the height. That's what they did along um, actually along Atlantic Avenue. If you look at the buildings along Atlantic Avenue, you see as you get closer as you get further away from Atlantic Avenue and closer to the downtown uh, center, the buildings rise up. So it's not so when you're going toward Borham Hill, mm-hmm. by the time you get to Atlantic Avenue, it's a little bit lower. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, because Councilmember Levin said that he it's important to him that there be a transition zone. I'm I'm not convinced that there needs to be one. I think it's fine to live near tall buildings, but 
if that's important to him, I think that upzoning Borum Hill where it's not in the landmark zone could be the compromise that could get him to where he can say yes to far of 18. Okay. Um, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Borum Hill Association also propose that type of buffer zone in between the brownstones and and the towers? Uh, could you repeat that? I didn't hear the first part. It, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the Borum Hill Association also proposed that a similar type of buffer zone between the brownstones and the towers. I'm, I'm not familiar. It doesn't sound like they would be happy with a far of 18 on. Not a far of 18, but buffer zone. But if if they could agree to a an upzoning of Borum Hill, and I want that, and I'm pretty yimby i think that this is something council member levin should pursue well if anyone from the boreham hill association is listening <laughs> give us a call <laughs> now let me ask you this you're in williamsburg why do you care so much about this project um i think that housing is really a regional issue and something i i've i moved to this neighborhood when i after i graduated from nyu uh, i'm four stops out on the l because i'm old enough that that is where you you moved back then. Now it's further. Mm-hmm. One of my friends used to live two blocks away from me. And yesterday he told me he's moving to Broadway Junction because his apartment situation has been a little bit further out, a little bit further out, a little bit further out. One, I miss my friend. Two, <laughs> the other neighborhoods that are fighting gentrification and displacement need my friend to be able to stay in the neighborhood that he used to live in rather than living with roommates and displacing people that are there because if you when when people in their millennials and i guess people younger than millennials have jobs now when they will team up and live with roommates if you're like a parent with a kid how do you compete with that spending power so we need to have housing we need to address it as a regional issue and we need the people who have the best jobs in north america who can afford to live in 80 Flatbush or in the luxury housing that is Brownstone, Brooklyn, to live there instead of going further and further out. So, Mike, with regard to your displacement argument, when the city starts, which it already has, you know, we referenced the Bedford Union Armory project in Crown Heights. When the city starts proposing projects like this in these neighborhoods that you claim are going to get displaced, where do you stand on the issue then? I still favor those, but what I would like to see even more of is a citywide upzoning everywhere because that will let the the prime locations that are going to attract the people with the best jobs first like there's a lot of sites in soho that could be upzoned which would be great and that would reduce the pressure to upzone in crown heights but like let's be realistic prospect heights and crown heights are already kind of gentrified the people who have money have already been moving there and this development is just following them so what do you say to those people that have lived there for you know a long time, maybe moved in when times weren't so good, and they're saying, look, we moved to Brooklyn because we didn't want to live in Manhattan, and now Manhattan is coming here. What do you, what do you say to those people? Where do you tell them to go? Um, back to Ohio. <laughs> if people don't want to live in a dense urban environment, this isn't a great place for them. Well, my my guess is that the people I was talking about didn't come from Ohio. They probably came from from other. Oh yeah, but that's just what that's the term of abuse that gets hurled at anyone that you disagree with. So I think the people who don't want to live in dense urban environments would be better suited in a place where they can drive cars or whatever. Okay. All right, Mike. Well, I wanted to. Oh, by the way, what do you what do you do for a living, Mike? 
Um, looking for a job, listening to a podcast, stuff like that. Well, that's good. That's that's what we love. As long as you're listening to the podcast, that's the most important thing. Oh, and one thing. We know it's not technically correct to call Borough President Adams the commander-in-chief <laughs> of Brooklyn, but that is what we do because we love him and it's our style. I wanted to, okay. addre- I wanted to address that with you. <laughs> directly. Okay, thank you. All right, well, thanks for calling, Mike. Sure, bye. All right, so we've gotten two calls so far, uh, pro, basically pro-development. None from Gersh Kunstman. And Gersh Kunstman, probably one of the most pro-development people that I know, and when I said other people out there would say, build it high, build it tall, you were referring Loaded, to one I was Gersh referring Kuntzman. to one Gersh Kuntzman who has called up and made that argument over and over and over again. He must be being the lines must be so busy he's just constantly, you know, buzzed out. Well, you know, him. he's very busy now working over at the streets block. That's true. He's doing that stuff now. And uh, he's he's You can't cycle and dri- and call. You no, it's it's very dangerous. And ride it's very dangerous. Texting and riding and cycling and I mean cycling and, and making phone calls probably should be illegal as yeah. far as I'm because you know those bicycles. I think Felix Ortiz wanted that. So let's stay, let's stick around for a little while longer. We want to uh, see if anybody else wants to call in about the 80 Flatbush project that we just spoke to Councilman Steve Levin about. And, uh, and Dan and Mike. Yeah, Dan and Mike. Dan from uh, Crown Heights and Mike from Williamsburg, who are clearly pro-development on this on this uh, take. If there's anybody out there who wants to make a call, make the case against the development, uh, you could do so now. Or uh, Ben Richardson, who we had previously. Ben or or one Bill Harris. Oh wow, we're just gonna also. we're just gonna ask people to call us. Let's say maybe <laughs> you should text them, see if they're see if they're available at the moment. No, but it's it's more reiterating how we've had you know we've had people anti on the show, and and it's great to hear from the pro people because you know sometimes I think those who complain the loudest tend to be right. But you know there are. There without are question, valid arguments. Without question, there are plenty of valid arguments for more development in the city, more housing in the city, because it's clear the cost of housing is is so much that there it's you know it, you want to call it a crisis, you can call it a crisis. I know that it's very expensive to buy. As it becomes more expensive to buy, it becomes more expensive to rent. I mean, there's it's very difficult to uh, find a way in this city uh, with the way prices are 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 moving. And you know what? I think we all believe in supply and demand, and I think supply and demand basically says the more houses you have, the more apartments, the more places people can live, the lower the cost of those places uh, will eventually be. Yeah, I think that you could that you could certainly make that argument. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I think it's you know, change is always uh, emotional, um, and I think that it's reasonable to expect people who've lived in a certain neighborhood for so many years to not want that to change, you know, but at the end of the day, change is always, you know, it's There is constant. one constant it's in constant. New York City life. There is one constant, and that is change. It's change. And, you know, I think that it, this argument is so familiar, even though it's so unique. You know, we've had it over, se- like you said, you've heard it over the course of your career. I have. Development stories have always played a big role in, in everything we do here at the Brooklyn Paper. There's no doubt about that. And uh, you know, but, more, but just to be clear, more often than not, these developments do go through. It's not a matter of um, you know them being knocked down. I, I, I could mention one development actually through the years that were two of them I could think of. If you think about the Lich development down right. down in um, Cobble Hill. Cobble Hill. The Lich development, they tried to get the zone. Where Steve Levin was arrested. Oh, was he? Yeah. 
So was was it? Uh, oh no. Uh, now the, ma- the mayor was arrested way before that had nothing to do. It was when they were going to close the hospital he got arrested. But uh, eventually, I mean, they did not get the zoning change that they wanted. But the zoning in the in the area allowed them to. They build. just built as of right. Yeah, they built as of right, which is fine. I that mean, was before I was here. So was there a Euler process for that that Levin voted down? I believe. I think eventually they just they pulled back the project. Oh, okay. They said, look, if we're, if we're not going to get the support for this, which we think is better. We'll pull it back and we'll build as of right, and that's ultimately what they what they did and what they're doing. Uh, so that project kind of got blocked, and and again the um, we called it the Mega Mall. I'm trying to think what the name of the project was out in um, out in Diker. It was a big deal, mm. and um, they wanted to build a batch of of giant stores. It was you know mega stores, kind of Costco sized warehouse stores. Around the uh, above and around the railroad tracks, uh, the end line, and the Long Island Railroad that runs through uh, Diker Heights and uh, parts of uh, down into Bay Ridge. But it went all the way. It went from Fort Hamilton Parkway to New Utrecht Avenue oh, al- wow. along the railroad cut. It was a huge project, and this, the buildings weren't going to be connected. So if you wanted to go from store to store, if you wanted to go on a shopping spree, you'd literally have to get in your car and go from one parking lot to the next. And that project. Um, at the time, Pataki was running for governor, and uh, Mayor Giuliani was running uh, for mayor. Uh, and the project ended up being squashed by the ma- by the governor, who ultimately you know, controls the MTA. Right. The governor controls the MTA. State run. Who controls it? The governor controls the MTA. State run. It was MTA land. And when the governor came down and said to my reporter, who at the time was Alec McGillis. Who world, went on to win a Polk Award. Yeah, world-renowned Alec McGillis. He said to Alec McGillis, he just looked him straight in the eye and just said, it's dead. <laughs> just like that. You could look it up. The two words Levin didn't say on his call, it's dead. He didn't say it's dead. He didn't say no, it's alive. He didn't say it's alive. Um, the, the other thing that I think a lot of residents in the surrounding area are concerned about is that, you know, 80 Flatbush isn't the only place where, you know, a more than... 38 story 38 story or more tower is going to go up because the mayor is you know pushing his scheme to level and rebuild the house of detention mm-hmm. just a few blocks away you know and that would be i think some 40 stories under 40. under the new 40 stories exactly under so it would be a taller it'd be a taller building yeah a much taller building which also involves the the sporm how tall how tall is the building now about 20 i don't know exactly oh, probably about 20 the 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 square probably less. Yeah, no, the square footage when when you reported on it um, last, you know, it's an alarming increase, in, or you know, not alarming. That's not the right <laughs> word, but it's like uh, it's a huge increase in square footage. Like, look at Tony showing his colors there. Look at him. But it's, it's alarming. Lot, it's big. <laughs> I mean, I think you know, it's a big change. Well, if you're going for, I mean, forty stories. I mean, this. How big is this building? The Brooklyn Paper Building. How tall is it? Yeah, it, what's this? FAR? I'm not sure. Because our side only... This was... Uh, I'm guessing this was a state project. I don't think it was a city. It might have been. I don't know. It goes back a long ways. Our elevator. You know who would know? Ed Weintraub, my old boss, he would know because he followed the construction of Metro Tech. Um, I mean, it's definitely one of the I tallest. I think he, he was trying to get the, the, the Brooklyn Paper Building in there back then. You know, he wanted to make sure that we had a we had a presence. Didn't work out, though. We, had, we were back on Court Street. Speaking of our building, I'm sure a lot of you have read the, the very sad and sudden news of the TKTS booth closing. Oh, my God. Which, if anybody has any insight into that, they claim bad ticket sales, but we've seen lines, you know, up through the end of August when 
it abruptly closed on September 1st. Yeah, it seemed like there were uh, lots of ticket sales going on down there. But what do I know? I'm well, just you an bought a lot of them. I did. I did. My wife is really into the uh, the Broadway show. Yeah. Yeah, the lines always blocked the entrance to our building. That's right. You had to like knock people out of the way yeah. to get it. I got to write a story. I got to write a story. Is that what you did? You pushed people? Yeah, I shoved them. That's good work, Julianne. Don't yeah, well, I mean, yeah. We, you know, the news waits for no one, including a theater lover. Right. Just, you can't wait. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think of the last tickets I bought. I was going to buy School of Rock, but they were too expensive. Ah. That happened. I believe our... I saw Matilda. Oh, interesting. That was great. I really enjoyed Loved it. Loved the um, movie. You know, the problem, the problem with those things for me is when I go... Um, my wife will then buy every soundtrack that's available for sure. the show, along with T-shirts and sweatshirts and all that. But the I fancy am program. I'm going to Hamilton. Wow! Whoa! I did not get that. You couldn't get that. To I would check every day to see if Hamilton. Well, you could do the lottery. No, I'm not doing a lottery. I got. I got. You know, I got some kind. You of got a guy on the I inside. I got a guy. I got. I got some guy who's in the room where it happens. And. Uh, no, it's not true. We we put in for tickets a long time ago, and we finally got them. And That's did. so exciting! And, and best of all, the grandparents of the boy are paying for it. So, oh my gosh, Hamilton at no expense. Well, I'm gonna have to get dinner. We it's already like own the, the sound. School. No, it's like the schools cost. at 80 flat <laughs> Flatbush. Yeah. <laughs> Dinner's gonna be costly because if I'm going to see Hamilton, I'm having a nice meal. Maybe oh, I'll go absolutely. to oh, what's that restaurant I, um, in the village? Ah, it's too far away, probably. Which one? Wait, wait. Um, East or West side? Uh, west. Um, like old school name. Oh, man, I'm losing my mind. But uh, they have a... Um, they have a... Uh, what's that when they take the filet mignon and they wrap it in pastry? Oh. Beef, uh, beef Wellington? Beef Wellington. They have the Beef oh, Wellington. Yum. It's like fantastic. Oh, that sounds like a theater-worthy oh. dinner. Yeah, I know. But you know, I probably have to go afterwards. I, I want to go to a day, uh, like a matinee oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then go at night. Yeah, because you dinner. can't go after a, an evening show because it's like ten thirty. Yeah, that's what I would do with TKTS. That's why I'm going to miss it so much because I'd go there on a Friday and get tickets for a Saturday matinee, and then I would take uh, my wife and the boy, and sometimes the Pedanados of Michael and Jonathan fame. Uh, they'd come with us if we were doing something like that, and it was always a good time. And you're home by nine. Yeah, the TKTS booth. Very sad. Yeah, it's very sad that. to see it go. All right, I think we're going to wrap it up right yeah. there. A lot, a lot went down. Julianne, what's your lead? You're writing the story. What's I don't your know. Lead? I, I'm waiting for, for the vote on Thursday. No, 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 no. We have to write about this radio show. And you being a reporter who actually was on it, it's best that you write that story. Okay. All right? So you just have to write up, you know, uh, you know we have to come up with a lead and all that. You know, that's very important. It's a, big, a big part of the story is knowing which way it's going to go, and the lead tells you that. That's a little bit of inside you baseball. You wouldn't give us a headline. There's no headline. There's there. no headline. How do you? <laughs> I have no headline. How do you follow? How do you follow <laughs> that with a leap? I have no headline, says Steve Levin. All right. I yeah, it's going to be a tough one. But look, I want to thank Steve Levin for coming on the show. Yeah, and telling us all sorts of things, and explaining to us just how difficult the the, the how difficult government is. A, a lot to consider. Just think of all the people working on this one project. We talked about four people on his staff, and then all these people at zoning. A and whole council. Arm dedicated to land there, use. This is all going on, and it just shows the importance of you, the listeners, vote. 
you know, because the people that you put in office are ultimately the ones that make their that make these decisions. Yeah. So in this case, Steve Levin has a very important decision to make about the future of the 80 Flatbush project and the surrounding neighborhood as a whole. Wouldn't you say, Julianne? Yes. Good answer. All right. So I want to thank Levin. I want to thank Tony Rotono for being here as always. Well, thank you for I want to thank Julianne Cuban for coming in here when she should be writing stories. And, and thanks to, to our callers. I want to thank our callers for calling in. Legitimate calls from legitimate people. Not Russian bots. It's very important that that, that happens. Very and real. I want to thank our producer, Eric Hercules, who has come from Queens. He flew in he, out of nowhere. Yeah, he came all the way from Queens. And he got it done. And we will see you next week. When, when we know the fate of 80 Flatbush. <laughs> on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Take care. Bye.